0: You have been a big bull on Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, we had some folks that some people know on our show earlier this week. Becky was out in Omaha. I want to show you what they had to say if we yeah. could uh, roll the tape on Bitcoin from Mr. Munger and Mr. Buffett.
1: The, the asset itself is creating nothing. I think it's a scumball activity. Yeah. I would short it if there was an easy way to do it.
0: So there you have it. You have Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger. One of them was calling it a scumball activity. The other saying, uh, Bill Gates saying he would short this thing if he could. And you're saying they're all wrong. Yeah.
2: Welcome to Noted Bitcoin Podcast, episode 0.14.0. I'm Michael Goldstein. I'm here with my co host, Pierre Rochard. Hello. And
0: we're in person for the first time. And I'm visiting Michael Goldstein
2: in Austin. Thank you for uh, visiting the greatest nation in the US. Uh, today we have with us Giacomo Zucco.
3: Yeah, Saturday- Zucco.
2: Zucco, my bad.
3: Yeah, like, like Danny Zuko in Greece.
2: Okay. Uh, today we have uh, Giacomo Zucco. Uh, he is the director of BHB Network and uh, one of the main organizers of Bitcoin Milan in Italy. Um, and we're, we're pleased to have such an esteemed Bitcoin maximalist from the Twitter sphere joining us today. Honored to be here. So uh, recently you had a. Very long and very popular tweet storm, uh, talking about the problems with uh, that you have with Bitcoin Cash. Ideas on consensus and economics. Uh, could you just could you give everyone a TLDR on your entire what forty five tweet tweet storm?
3: yeah TLDR is uh, big casher are stupid, but probably this is a this is a very compact uh, TLDR. Actually, it was not intended to be so long or uh, or so viral for uh, for what matter. Uh, it was just intended to be a pissed off quick response. But then what happened is that the uh, the complexity of the becaer arguments are so uh, inconsistent and but rich in number that I actually had to go down a lot of uh, uh, separate uh, uh, debunking uh, operations in the same uh, uh, insult. So it, it was just meant to meant to be an insult, but it was a very articulate insult. And so it uh, uh, apparently it was also educational for many people. So I'm happy for that. Many people asked me to, to create a new version, which is uh, more uh, systematic in a way that they can point to it uh, in future conversation. I'm thinking about it. But uh, I, you know I'm lazy, so if I, if I trick myself into thinking that I'm just insulting some someone in in three tweets, I can I can do it. If I know that I have to work for three hours to to write and say, uh, I I tend to procrastinate a lot.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that Twitter trolling has provided some of the best Bitcoin insights around, versus uh, Medium posts or. Uh, even podcasts,
3: yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a self uh, self tricking uh, into a serious uh, debunking job, but with uh, but in a very no pretentious way. I mean, uh, I told my wife, uh, sorry, Mira, I'm just answering this uh, moron. Few seconds, <laughs> like uh, three tweets, and I'm done. And then uh, forty forty three or something tweets later. <laughs>
2: So uh, what are some of the main reasons why you think b cashers are stupid?
3: So there are uh, one, of the, one of the reasons that the, the, the tweet storm uh, got some popularity is that inside there are some general uh, maximalists. Uh, at this point, we, we, we codified this, uh, this knowledge as maximalist, but it's just common sense and logic. There are some of the maximalist reasons to, uh, to not get into altcoins in general. So there is the first part of the argument which applies to Bcash, cash in particular, but to altcoins in general. Uh, altcoins cannot su- succeed, uh, and uh, and if they do, they just destroy themselves with Bitcoin. And then there is the as uh, as usual uh, the this part uh, which is specific to Bcash, which is twofold. One part is technical: why the main pseudo technical ideas behind the cash are wrong, uh, and there is the Let's say personal, but factual and ethical part about who is promoting uh, Bcash with with what kind of uh, marketing strategy and with what kind of propaganda. And so, the uh, many people appreciated uh, the one of the first proper, consistent uh, uh, write up about the conspiracy theory that uh, Bcash promoters. Uh, are implying every time they they, they promote the uh, cash. Sorry, the cash was another tweetstorm. Uh, separate.
2: <laughs> You're implying that there's a lot of stupid people out there.
3: Yeah, <laughs> so many that, there. Yeah, and if, of course, if I, if I was writing a, a medium post, I would not I will not use uh, to imply the same thing. I will not uh, use the same terminology because it's not very appealing to people who. Who, who are inside the set of stupid people. But uh, uh, since in that case, it was, I mean, that the, the reason I was so brutal with the terminology is that it was an exchange like that. So uh, Chris said, so you are you are implying we are all liars. And I say, no, only the leaders are liars. You are actually just stupid. And he said, could you actually uh, tell me exactly why do you think I'm stupid? And then all the twist storm continues and goes on with you're stupid because you're stupid because of course uh let's say that uh more than 50 percent of the global population is more stupid than the the average person and the average person as you know i mean think about the average person you you don't qualify him for intelligence and then you have more than 50 percent which are more stupid than him for statistical reasons Uh, so yeah people but It's also, you know, people are stupid also because it's a rational ignorance. Uh, There is division of labor. Not everybody can be uh, proficient in every field of knowledge. Most of the people just care about uh, what is in their backyard, and that's that's okay in general. Uh, The problem is that part of the modern, uh, -modern postmodern contemporary culture is to pretend to be expert in everything, Bitcoin itself is uh, is something where even people who dedicated their entire life uh, to the project they they are they are still very ignorant like we are because it's it's game theory it's uh, a monetary theory it's crypto um, uh, apply cryptography uh, linked uh, list uh, it's uh, um, uh, distributed systems and engineering of distributed systems it is a, a free uh, free open source uh, development or free liber open source uh, development uh, standards so so many separated fields that Satoshi Nakamoto put together uh, uh, which is which are very very difficult to dominate together so if the if the average people if the average average person is stupid in general on bitcoin we are we are all very very stupid and big cashers in particular.
0: Yeah, I, I think that one of the things that cashers also overlook and that goes along with what you laid out there is that Satoshi left the project in 2010 or 2011. I think it was 2010. Late 2010, I think. Yeah, and he left it in an incomplete state and in a state where there was a lot left to be learned, right? And so I've been in it for five years about... I'm still peeling this onion. There's layer after layer, uh, nowhere near fully or even remotely fully understanding. I don't even know where the limits of understanding are. Like, I I don't know what I don't know. And to say that the white paper is a self-contained vision that is the beginning and end of Bitcoin is an absolutely insane statement. Uh, And yet we have people holding it out as like, hey, this is the marketing document that sold Bitcoin to everyone, which is also false. Uh, yeah. But uh, like how many people who have bought Bitcoins on Coinbase
2: have read the white paper? And, and not only that, but uh, people like myself, I got very much into Bitcoin and excited about Bitcoin before I went back and read the white paper. Reading the white paper was a chance for me to really understand, well, get get closer, like get get more of a technical understanding of how bitcoin operates after i had already gotten excited about this thing that was you know promising the world sound money
3: yeah, yeah the the white paper is uh, is uh, fairly incomplete as many point out it doesn't even include the uh, it doesn't even include the the cap on the inflation the the 21 million number it's a, it's an idea it's an uh, untested idea presented to, to other people. And then there is the software, which uh, later uh, came. And that software is actually the first kind of complete implementation. But then still it was uh, uh, bugged. It was heavily bugged. It was unoptimized. And I think that one of the, one of the strong um, propaganda points of Bcashers is, Bitco- uh, is that Satoshi Nakamoto did uh, indeed change his mind over some things. And you can, uh, it's a very interesting exercise to actually do read all the kind of interaction that Satoshi had with people. Because, uh, uh, some things that, uh, B-cashers say about Satoshi, uh, original vision are blatantly false. Like Satoshi didn't create Bitcoin in order to cheaply pay for coffee. He created Bitcoin for, uh, monetary reasons. So the, the Genesis block is about, uh, uh, the the or the, 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 the on of on second bailout is, is something which relates with money and financial structures and uh, sound money and Austrian theory. And that's, that's, even, that's clear. And to try to say that, Bit- that Satoshi just wanted to create a faster PayPal, uh, it's technically stupid because Bitcoin is the worst way to create a faster PayPal or a cheaper PayPal, but it's also historically inaccurate. Also, to, to state that uh, Satoshi uh, was, uh, uh, created a system where the miners do decide everything and where the consensus is uh, established by the miner is completely false. And in the white paper, you can find a specific section in, in which Satoshi uh, explains that if there is an attacker, uh, the attacker can just be uh, detected by, the, by the, the rules of the system and only honest uh, miners can compete in order to try to build more uh, work on a valid history, not on an invalid history. Satoshi do not lay out a democratic, ash power democratic way to upgrade the system. And there is a very famous quote by Satoshi that says that once the, the version of Bitcoin goes out, the rules of the system are set in stone basically forever. So this is... Um, uh, something that uh, uh, something that Bikashers tend to lie about. But on some other things, they are right that Satoshi did change his mind. For example, Satoshi was convinced in the white paper, but also in the first interaction, while people like, for example, Alfine, Al, Fine, Al immediat- immediately said, this thing cannot scale on-chain. This thing can be a good uh, settlement layer, but you will need, uh, in his opinion, it was a trusted uh, third parties in order to do cheap uh, cheap and little exchanges. And and that could be just settlement because uh, uh, he he said he cannot scale. Well, Satoshi was, let's say, deluded uh, about scalability because uh, the first reason of his delusion was that uh, uh, he thought that the SPV model that he laid out in the the white paper, so the simple verification model, was something that could uh, could have been made trustless. So basically... Uh, going SPV, you can know that uh, uh, which is the most worked upon, the most the the heaviest valid chain. Reality is that uh, going SPV, you can know which is the uh, heaviest chain, but not the heaviest valid chain. You give up your power to assess val- validity, and validity implies not just block size, but uh, Uh, inflation rate, uh, uh, not stealing the the coin of other people. Uh, Validity means everything, and it's very important. Satoshi thought that uh, this idea of the fraud proofs, cryptographic fraud proofs, could be implemented in order to make SPV trustless. While SPV never went trustless, it is still possible that someday we will find a way to have a cryptographically sound uh, uh, fraud proof It's a mess because, in general, proving that some data is inside some digest is easy. Proving that some data is not inside some digest is very, very difficult as a theoretical matter. So, it's unlikely that it will happen soon, at least speaking with people which is smarter than me and, uh, and, well and this is all another argument about uh, uh, authority principle uh, which is very uh, misrepresented but anyway closing this 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 parenthesis immediately uh if spv was really trusted then the radical uh, the radically on-chain scaling solution uh, thought by satoshi in which uh, yeah uh, it's it's crazy that uh, b- basically it's crazy that every node of the system has to uh keep forever all the transactions uh, of all the users. So this is just crazy. Of course, but if you don't mean uh, every node like every user, but you have just a very, very small class of nodes, uh, which in the minds of the Satoshi initially was just the, the the group of miners, and if they are trustless, so if you don't have to trust them because they cannot lie and they cannot scam you, then that's a system which could be, Uh, It's a different trade-off. Of course, you cannot do everything on chain anyway, but in the mind of Satoshi, you could go Visa-like pretty much uh, without that. But then Satoshi evolved his understanding of the system. Uh, Later, he started to go very heavy on uh, payment channels. Actually, he created the uh, N-sequence opcode exclusively in order to have much of the exchanges off-chain and then on-chain only for settlement. That's the reason that Satoshi included uh, the, the, the end sequence of code. Of course, it was wrong again, because, because uh, if he is a superintelligence AI from the future, he was pretending to be uh, human and, and very error-prone like everybody else, because even the end sequence wasn't working because miners were not following this uh, unenforceable protocol. They were just including the, uh, the, the, the transaction with feed. So there are several. Also, Satoshi, of course, didn't thought about ASICS uh, until a certain point. Then he acknowledged that the, the existence of uh, ASICS uh, of, let's say, GPU and then FPGA uh, concentration of power. And the situation with, with uh, ASICS was not predictable during the, the first era of Bitcoin. You could not imagine that one Chinese guy could actually evenly influence the 80% of the hash power in an indirect way. Uh, of course, it would be easy to detect and to counteract a direct influence, but there the influence was in- indirect, like it was blackmailing uh, mining pool. Uh, I will sell this hardware only if you signal for this or this other political meaning. So, yeah, I- I'm-, I'm too talkative, but the, the TLDR of everything is, uh, Satoshi did change his mind uh, about a lot of things, but never about some of the things like uh, uh, Bitcoin is not for coffee, Bitcoin is for fucking central banks, and uh, and Bitcoin is not uh, decided by the miners. It's just ordered chronologically by the miners inside a valid history.
2: Yeah, I think the, uh, the best writing by Satoshi on sort of the purpose of Bitcoin, where his uh, posts on the P2P Foundation uh, board, where he, uh, we'll we'll link this in the show notes, but he, you know, makes it very clear that this is uh, a a sort of attack on the banks, you know, for their, because of their inability to not defraud people um, and freeze their accounts and steal from them and all of that
3: yeah and I will not even say you know I work with banks all the time. Banks are an expression of of a free market. The problem with banks mm-hmm. is that nowadays they are completely captive by by government regulations and, uh, and monopoly uh, legal monopolies It's just like if you are uh, during the western uh, india company uh, attacks on the on the American colonies uh, the problem is not with uh, Trade companies with boats and tea, but when you do the tea part, the Boston Tea Party, you don't do that because you hate ships that deliver products. Uh, you are just fighting a, a system of legal monopoly granted and controlled by, by in that case, the British government uh, outside the market, outside the free market, against the free market. So I think that one of the one of the uh, hypocrisies and uh, or, uh, the misconception about Bitcoin that maybe attracted some. Uh, Occupy Wall Street guys is that m- maybe it's even useful to have some, this, such uh, such ambiguity at the beginning because we attracted people that are actually fighting against their stupid ideology. But the, the ambiguity was that Bitcoin is not against banks. Banks are just uh, intermediaries that, pr- that, that uh, uh, try to allocate resources uh, in, with debt uh, uh, efficiently or they are custodians. And I think that Bitcoin in the future will see some kind of uh, Bitcoin-based banks, legit and honest Bitcoin-based banks. Like uh, not every guy, not every average guy is ready or willing to become a hacker with his private key. Some guy will want to give out uh, partial custodianship. Like uh, 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 you can do a very complex multi sig where uh, at the beginning you have to use my key and the key of the bank for security. Then there is a period in which you can use just mine in order to be not, not to be captive. Then another period in which you can also use the bank's key alone so that if I lose my key, you can use that. So uh, we will see custodian services, which will be banks. And also Bitcoin do not uh, manage itself. The blockchain do not manage credit. If you have to borrow money or, or to lend money, you have to assess risk personally, and you need a professional Division of the market that will do that, which is a bank basically. So, Bitcoin is not against banks, it's against central banks and central banking and uh, government cap- uh, government uh, takeover of the banking industry. Uh, of course, the bank role will be heavily reduced because when you have some money, you don't have inflation, and when you don't have or have inflation, and then you have not so much borrowing and not so much lending. You have uh, you reduce the financial sector, the present-day financial sector, a lot. And also, when you can easily uh, be your own bank, many people will decide, uh, luckily, to be their own bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some people will not. But the custodian will not be able to, to do his business because if we will start to be too much aggressive with rules or limitation or censorship, then he will just give people more incentives to be their own bank again. So it's an equilibrium game and also, a uh, let's say, a mutual uh, threat game.
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely remember when I first got into Bitcoin, I was using, you know, the heavy anti-bank rhetoric. Um, but ultimately, my, my point is that Bitcoin gets rid of fractional reserve banking. Um, and the other benefits of Bitcoin are just the fact that, um, one, you're... Able to create these financial services from a better first principle system because we have a better uh, programmable base, and then from there uh, it's all opt in. So you can have this full spectrum of of different options that people can choose in the market, um, and if they want to pay the premium and uh, you know play the risk uh, and control everything themselves they absolutely can if they also want to offload onto uh, that onto people they they believe can handle these services much better than they they can on their own they can do that as well and they can also do that for you know very specific services as opposed to now where uh your choice is to either use you know a really big bank that's infiltrated by government regulation all that or a different bank that has the same problem
3: exactly it's it's not symmetric. On top of a system which is capable of uh, uh, privacy and censorship resistance and uh, autonomy in spending and, uh, and whatever uh, irreversibility, uh, on top of that, you can build uh, uh, externalization of uh, custodianship of keys, you can build uh, maybe a scalability trusted party. Luckily, uh, we, we found a, the smarter people found ways to, uh, to, uh, to have trustless second layers. But even with trusted second layer, proper trusted second layer, you still can give up part of the characteristic of Bitcoin selectively and reversibly, you can give up some of those characteristics to get a better trade-off. So you want, uh, you want more uh, uh, easiness of, uh, of uh, UX, you give up some security because you trust a uh, third party. Uh, You want more scalability, you give up uh, partial security because uh, like, even a Lightning Network is not a free ride, it's not a free lunch. Uh, You do uh, give up something to obtain something else. Uh, When you keep your money into a Lightning Network channel, your money is more easy to spend, liquid, scalable, private, but it is a little bit less secure because you still have a punishment-based mechanism and you still have to be online continuously. So there are, there are security trade-offs to do in everything. Uh, you can build a reversibility on top of an irreversible system, like with an escrow. You cannot do the opposite. It's, it's not symmetric. When you have a system which is reversible, like, uh, uh, like PayPal, you cannot rely on that for a reversibility. While on Bitcoin, you can use an escrow to get reversible. Of course, some Bitcoiners are scared by the fact that some of these users of Bitcoin seems to, to, uh, to, to, to be dirty, like not pure. But, but uh, as an as a onboarding process, I think it's quite inevitable that some users of Bitcoin will be uh, partially uh, giving up some of the characteristics. The important thing is that you give up individually and locally and reversibly and never systematically. <laughs> So when you get bigger blocks, you are giving up some property systematically in a way that cannot be undone. While if you give up something locally and personally, that's more sustainable.
2: Right. Someone who's who decides that they want to store all of their money on Coinbase, um, which I know people who do that. And quite frankly, I, I sympathize with uh, their feelings on some things and that's, that's great. But it does not at all externalize onto me. So uh, them using Coinbase or not using Coinbase has no effect on my ability to make my own decision about where I want to uh, store my funds.
3: Absolutely. One of the things I don't like about people uh, storing things on Coinbase is that Coinbase is not a bank. It's not a traditional bank. It is a Bitcoin startup. And that's actually more dangerous. I mean, if people just put Bitcoin in their own banks, uh, they will do KYC, AML, bullshit. Uh, they would be easy to censor, easy to uh, to to rob by the government and to tax. That's okay. It's on you. But everybody is on a different bank, and these banks are insured. They have security standard, mutuated by centuries, even if they are still very low. But they they have security procedures in place, and especially the banks will never. Uh, um, Coordinate, I mean, never. <laughs> it would be very unlikely to have all the banks in the world, the Bitcoin custodians, to coordinate in order to try to change the Bitcoin protocol. They would be just uh, services on top of a fixed infrastructure. Uh, while uh, the Coinbase situation is a, little, is, a, is a little bit more tricky, trickier, because you have a Bitcoin startup which is not insured. It is a startup, it's not a solid, uh, sound, uh, super financed bank. It's just a startup and it's a Bitcoin startup. So they think they have something to say about the underlying infrastructure or technology. So Armstrong can say, uh, I want to change this, I want to change that, uh, Ethereum is better. So they mess up with the technology. While I will prefer a world, I, I hope that I will see a world in three years from now where people will just put their, uh, where Bitcoin users will just use their private key and store their private key and run their their, their full node. While Bitcoin speculators and not users, they will just call the Swiss bank fucking Coinbase completely, disintermediating the disintermediators and calling old, boring, uh, super gray, uh, old-style, old-school banks, which is less dangerous than Coinbase.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully that can change if we can get Pierre uh, in his rightful place as CEO.
3: That's that's right. It's Coinbase as is. Coinbase (laughs) after Pierre. That's that's totally. That's uh, I would change my mind completely.
2: Hyper hyper Pierreization is going to bring great things. (laughs) All right, I'm
0: blushing. The subject Uh, you, you did say you know having traditional banks selling and buying bitcoins, and I think we saw one in the Netherlands that is doing that. That's a traditional bank that now offers Bitcoin services, like they would for any foreign currency, uh, and have it on their platform. So I think we're already going in that yeah, direction.
3: Absolutely, I, I'm in Switzerland now because t- today I was working here, uh, and uh, I was working with banks doing that. They are not even publicizing it yet because there are still some perceived uh, reputational risk. So they 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 go slow. They go private. But they're doing that, and they're doing that in, in in waves.
0: Yeah, and I think that the other thing is having central banks adopt Bitcoin. And that's something that uh, our friend Chifi has been pushing, and he's been on the podcast before, and essentially treating it as a reserve currency that competes with the dollar and the euro in developing countries that are uh, you know, trying to manage a portfolio of Forex reserves that helps them stabilize their own currency. What do you think about that? No,
3: I think this is a higher level of uh, of uh, trickiness because uh, uh, I mean, if you are a commercial bank, uh, you can just provide a new investment uh, investment asset, and if the go the, the world goes into hyper inflation, uh, sure you will be impacted because you will be impacted. But actually. You transform your business. I mean, if Bitcoin fails, you just sold an asset, a speculative asset. If Bitcoin succeeds, now you can become a partial custodian, you can become a cosigner, uh, or you can become a, a Bitcoin borrower, a Bitcoin lender. So you still have a role. Of course, uh, I don't imagine a CEO of a bank being happy about uh, a, a world of uh, new competition and uh, regulatory barrier destroyed. is still traumatic, but they have a role. While well, if you are a central banker in a world where Bitcoin does uh, not succeed and does fail, uh, then it doesn't doesn't make any sense to have it as a reserve. In a world where Bitcoin does succeed, uh, sorry, but you're, you are out of business. Uh, there is no role for a central bank in a post-hyper-Bitcoinization bis- world, in my opinion. So that could happen anyway, especially because we don't live in a system with one government, one central bank. We have... Comp- we have institutional competition, so maybe the the, uh, the Fed is is scared because they they understand what's going on. I mean, the uh, the, the Fed, St. Louis, they they're they great guys. They are they are doing their homework. They they understand these things, so they should be scared. Well, maybe the, the central bank of this strange, uh, borderline, uh, creative uh, uh, little country could actually use a, a a new kind of sound reserve instead of gold. To, to play a a bit. So um, geopolitics could play a role. Russia could do things, uh, even if Putin now is all for Ethereum, but, 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 but things change. And uh, so I don't rule out the scenario completely, but I think it's, it, it is, I mean, it will mean that central bankers are really short-sighted if, if they do help Bitcoin destroy them.
0: And I actually want to go back to our discussion about Bcash because one of the narratives that they promote is that by limiting the block size and kind of arguing against having coffee on the blockchain, that that slows down adoption of Bitcoin. And if we see Bitcoin as a, you know, promoter of liberty and uh, sound money would help restrain the power of government, uh, then by reducing Bitcoin adoption, we're leading to babies dying. Uh, So as as a new father, uh, we're both new fathers, so we don't want to see babies dying. So do you think that Bitcoin, the block size limit, is it slowing down Bitcoin adoption, do you think? And... Is is that a realistic argument to make? Uh,
3: so I, I don't want to see baby dying, especially I don't want people to extract their brain like uh, Charlie like somebody. Saved. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that that's bad. Uh, I do think that uh, uh, keeping a, a limited block size could slow down adoption. I think that's true, but I don't think that that uh, can actually hurt the chances of succeeding of Bitcoin uh, at all. The problem is that there is some paradox here. Not, not a paradox, really, a contradiction here. So, uh, and that was even also part of my twist. Storm. Either you think that uh, alternatives to, to Bitcoin can exist and work and provide for what Bitcoin does, or you think that this is not possible. So either you are a multi-coiner as a, as a, uh, as a pos- possible scenario, or you are not, or you are a maximalist. So if you are a multi-coiner, uh, corner then there is no reason to, uh, to try to change Bitcoin because all the kind of adoption that cannot go on Bitcoin will go in another coin. And if you think that's possible and sustainable, I don't, then there is no problem with it. I mean, uh, babies will not die because they will not be able to pay coffee, the, the life-saving coffee with uh, Bitcoin. They will pay it with Dogecoin. There is no reason to uh, to, uh, to play with Bitcoin, to, uh, to, to, to expose Bitcoins to dangers, because you think that alternatives are possible and sustainable. So whatever Bitcoin doesn't do, another money will do. And what's the problem there? I mean, it's, it's win-win. We wanted financial freedom. We wanted the free banking. Now we have it because we have a happy Kumbaya multi-coin world where everybody is, uh, gets along with any money because that's totally possible. So don't worry. Let Bitcoin uh, safe, sound, conservative, uh, decentralized, and just use the coin and, and all the others uh, happy coins. But if you don't agree with the view, like uh, I don't, and if you think that for technical reason or economical reason or social reason or a combination of these reasons, you can actually have probably... Bitcoin and, and and nothing else, or nothing at all, and the fragmentation scenario is a lose-lose scenario where everybody gets complete, uh, where everybody gets wrecked. If you think that, then still there is no reason to fear for the adoption because uh, every kind of friction uh, in exchange for security, decentralization, any UX limitation. Every every trooper limitation will slow down adoption, but adoption will have to come anyway. Because as uh, as for uh, uh, as for assumption, they don't have any alternative. So if alternatives do exist, why stop them? Go to the alternative. Don't change Bitcoin. If alternative don't exist, so there is no rush. Of course, we should make Bitcoin as scalable on-chain and off-chain as possible and as easy to use as possible. But still, we should first um, consider security and decentralization and censorship resistance, the systemic risk, the systemic problems. Then we can, on top of this, uh, build a combination of uh, uh, UX uh, and uh, true-proof compromises, but as we said before, not general compromises, uh, not global compromises, local compromises. So uh, this, this is the contradiction. Uh, people will adopt Bitcoin. Uh, so do people need Bitcoin? If yes, do people, can people use something else instead of Bitcoin to fulfill this need? If you say yes, no problem. Keep Bitcoin kept and they will use something else and we, are, we will be all happy. If they cannot, keep Bitcoin kept and conservative because this is our only shot, this is our only chance, and we don't want to fuck up with it. Uh, If people do not need Bitcoin, because at the end, people will realize that they don't need censorship resistance, they don't need decentralization, they don't need privacy, they only need a faster PayPal to pay for coffee. Uh, I mean, uh, probably Bitcoin will remain a niche for the very, very few people. I think it's the majority of the people on this planet that badly need Bitcoin. But if I'm wrong, then let us nerds or uh, anarchists or uh, drug dealers have Bitcoin. And you just use your PayPal. And as it's happening with altcoin, go more and more centralized because that's what you should do. Because if you don't need censorship resistance, you don't need decentralization. Decentralization is a liability. It can get you some kind of social scalability, uh, but but it destroys your UX, uh, your usability. Decentralization is a tool that is used in Bitcoin for a purpose, which is censorship resistance. If you don't need that, you don't need decentralization. That's why, I mean, uh, very successful altcoins like uh, Ripple or uh, or 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 EOS, they are completely centralized and they work pretty well because they are basically PayPal.
0: Do you want to get into the technical, economic, and social arguments for Bitcoin maximalism? I think that alone could take up the the next hour, but let's see where it goes.
3: <laughs> let's let's try to 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 compress it uh, as much as, as we can. So the problem here is, uh, uh, let's start from the uh, from the uh, easy one, which is the technological one. Uh, some systems are not uh, systems that uh, can be uh, easily uh, reproduced in many instances. They tend to converge into one standard. The more basic layer you have, the more open layer you have, the more you don't have the free market uh, going into differentiation, but you will have the free market converging into uh, into convergence. One of the m- very widespread misconception among especially stupid uh, libertarians is that free market means maximization of frac- uh, of uh, uh, fractioning everything, uh, differentiating everything, dispersion of everything—like everybody will create his own firm—that's not true. As Ronald Coase explained it for the companies, and as I don't know who, but uh, somebody else will have explained it for networks. Uh, in the free market, some layers tend to be differentiated and uh, and fastly moving, while some layers will tend to get uh, unificated and convergent. And slowly moving and uh, and conservative and stable. So you need uh, at some layer, at some base layer, you need stability and convergence. Like right now, I'm not an English speaker, as you can as you can uh, understand from my Super Mario accent. But we are talking in English because uh, uh, that's the only way to do to, to make this podcast working. We don't want. It's not against the free market that we are speaking, speaking English. Uh, English has more network effect. I have to adapt. It's not that, uh, yeah, it's free market, so uh, you cannot force me to be uh, homologated to you. No, because it's free market, we are, we are using the same language, English. Mm, you better than me. We are using the same uh, communication protocol. We just choose uh, Google Hangout and uh, some other high-layer protocol. But in this layer, we want competition. Like We are actually using two different products to record this, this, this podcast. So at the lower level, we're using the same internet because it will not make any sense to try to create a new internet to do this podcast. Uh, and the even lower level, we are using electricity, uh, alternate current uh, with uh, uh, continuous current locally with uh, binary computers. So we are adopting the same standards. So uh, in the economy, the top layer wants differentiation and fast evolution, the base layer wants convergence and stability. Bitcoin is evidently closer to the to the low level because Bitcoin is a, a, a computer network and computer networks are open-based standard. They are not proprietary products. Also, it's money and money is one of the things with the strongest uh, convergence and stability uh, appeal. Uh, you don't want money... To change and to evolve, you don't want money to move fast and break financial things. You want your 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 social network app, but, but not even that. You want uh, one example that I of- I often use is you want Candy Crush application on top of Facebook to be disrupted. You don't really want Facebook to be disrupted, not so often because that's very annoying to migrate to another social network. You can do that probably. 10 times in your life, and then that's more than enough. You don't want the web HTTP protocol underlying Facebook to this it because now we have a web API, everything is on HTTP. We, we, we don't want to, to change that too much. We need very, very low competition and, and, and very low evolution on the layer. And you don't really want to change TCP IP at all. So money is one of the things which is most down uh, across this uh, uh, layerization that you could imagine. And computer networks also are very, very down. And then you have proof-of-work mining. Proof-of-work mining is also a zero-sum game that, can not, that, do not, uh, that cannot benefit from competition because, uh, every, uh, because two competing proof-of-work chains are individually less secure than, the, uh, than one single uh, uh, proof-of-work chain splitted in, theoretically in half. So uh, you have a lot of reasons for that. But so there is the monetary network effect, the computer protocol network effect. And on top of that, you have the uh, developer mindshare network effect, which is also very, very important. Experts, developers, they work good ones, they work on Bitcoin, because everything else is shit. But everything else is shit because the best one will go to work with Bitcoin. And when somebody is not good enough uh, to work on Bitcoin, he will get frustrated because he's not good enough and he will go to work on an altcoin because of his frustration. And that's a selection mechanism, an adverse selection mechanism that will ensure over the long run that the, the, the quality difference of Bitcoin and altcoin will not tend to converge, but it will tend to diverge because uh, every smart people will go here and that will make this better and so on so these network effects are possible to overcome but uh, the, the nice thing about bitcoin is that even if you overcome the technical network effects so maybe uh, i could i could think as realistic a scenario which in 100 year maybe the proof of work based blockchain would be uh, would be considered old and outdated, and, and we will have actually a realistic way to, to do better, not proof-of-stake bullshit, but a realistic way to do better in 100 here. So even there, uh, we can migrate to difficult. It will be difficult. It will be super slow, but we can migrate to a new infrastructure. But why would that imply that we migrate to a new monetary standard? Even if we change the Bitcoin protocol, And we will not change it for probably 100 years. But even when it will happen, because we will have quantum supercomputers connected between uh, uh, planets and it would be not sustainable to have a proof-of-work chain like this with one megabyte uh, or with two megabyte or four megabyte SegWit cap, even in this scenario, why shouldn't we just migrate the existing economical network effect onto a new Uh, technological network effects. So if you think about that, let's imagine Satoshi. You want to create a new digital gold. You don't want to get rich quick with an ICO and to buy a Lambo. You do want to create a new financial financial system. So imagine you could leverage gold, price stability, market cap, market debt, physical gold, market debt, uh, financial instruments on top, uh, history, and uh, and leasing effect. Imagine you, you could leverage that and bring on top of Bitcoin a proof of gold. So every gram of physical gold you have, it becomes a, a Bitcoin. Satoshi, I, I cannot speak for him, but it would be logical to do that. He had to bootstrap a new asset from scratch. He wasn't happy to have to recreate an economical, uh, an economical uh, dynamic. And now we have, we have to wait for a new monetization of Bitcoin. But if somebody will will invent the blockchain 2.0 100 years in the future, they will just do a proof of burn or a sidechain or proof of burn Uh, for every Bitcoin, you get a new coin. So uh, these are are the basic reasons. Plus one, and the one is very simple. Uh, The only way is not the only way technically, but so... It's not obvious that Bitcoin will, will manage to become the new digital gold. But one of the reasons that is prob- it's likely even not obvious is that the strong cap of 21 million is uh, fixed, predictable, unchangeable. If you imagine a multi-coin world with multiple uh, coins, then you don't have a cap on inflation anymore. That does mean that uh, units of account can be inflated at will of the market, because if the market will just, if I create a Bitcoin too with 40 million, uh, now we have, uh, if they, if they work the same, we have 60 million. But if the 40 million chain will be valid more, we will have 70 million. So we will have a fluctuating demand and a fluctuating uh, supply. Uh, this is, maybe this is not deadly necessarily. I, I think it's probably deadly. I think that uh, it's a, it's a this kind of impredictability uh, would uh, heavily limit the market coordination necessary to adopt Bitcoin as a new digital gold. So the world can probably adopt Bitcoin as digital gold. The world cannot adopt any kind of uh, crazy new asset uh, depending on the current market value as digital gold because that will just mean unpredictable supply. So these are the reasons for which I think that Bitcoin can succeed and altcoins can die, but altcoins cannot win. They can die together with Bitcoin.
2: So I have a, I have a rather long-winded question, so bear with me. But, um, so I remember you gave a talk, I think it was about last year at Prague, um, about uh, political vectors of attack uh, against Bitcoin. And I apologize, I don't remember the name of the talk, but it's very good and we'll be sure to link to it. Um, and in that, you, you described all of the different political vectors people could use to subvert um, Bitcoin. Um, now, one of the criticisms I've heard against anti-Bcashers um, is this idea that, uh, well, if you think Bitcoin is good enough on its own, then you can't really think of Bcash as an attack because it's not going to do anything. And my take on that in part because you know I've, I've listened to your talk and kind of brought that in, is that Bcash is not an attack in that I think that it literally has a chance to be Bitcoin because I, I just don't think it has what it takes. However, how it is an attack is that it reveals one of these vectors that people can use uh, for the purposes of subverting Bitcoin. So my question for you is, what can we learn about what has happened in Bcash um, to help make the Bitcoin network stronger against similar attacks that could happen uh, at an even bigger scale, like if the if a government decided they wanted to do Bcash style attacks.
3: So I completely agree with you. The argument uh, about Bcash not being a real threat to Bitcoin. I mean, what what could you have of more? Uh, Uh, goofy than than that, Craig Wright. I mean, this cannot take over Bitcoin. That's obvious. That's clear. But uh, you're you're absolutely right. The point here is that uh, this is just like a video game in which you have the smaller boss and then you have the final serious boss. And you need this kind of uh, escalation in order to train yourself to to do the moves. So Bitcoin is an evolving system. Not just maybe the technological part of Bitcoin could be close to get very, very crystallized, very, very, uh, very, very stable. So uh, basically not evolving at the base layer anymore. Maybe not, not yet, but we're very, very close. Uh, and we should get there, in my opinion. But the social part uh, of Bitcoin, so Bitcoin as a social protocol, as an idea, as a community, as best practices, uh, this Bitcoin as a system, as a complex system in the mid space, uh, it, it, it is still evolving. And if it does evolve in a way that uh, makes easy for uh, for for ridiculous routable attacks like bcash to provide some damage then this the the, the like the, the likeliness that serious attackers like government will, will be able to do serious damage is uh, is much higher so uh, I think bcash is not a, a threat in itself, but one of the reasons I do fight this this uh, cultist and maximalist battle, and I think people should fight it, is that this is a chance to improve and to uh, train and to systematize our uh, immunitary system, our social immunitary system. Also, it's, it's, more, it's more than big cash. This is the level of tolerance of scams. I think that there are, uh, when, when people say maximalist, one of, the, one of the things they mean is the theory uh, that we just try to uh, to 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 expose about the unicity of Bitcoin. But one other trait that they uh, they connect with the maximalists is, is that we are not nice with people. We are. I mean, there is a scam. Why could you just? Why couldn't we just go along with scammers and be all friends? I mean, why should you be so nasty and so cruel with people? Uh, I think this is another key point of right point of maximalist. Uh, do we do we want to develop or to help develop or to be part of a social norm which is heavily anti-scam or we want to develop a social norm, norm which is very tolerant to scams? Because the second uh, has a problem. We, we are choosing to get rid of legal means, except for the um, uh, the, uh, the the trial, the um, group uh, litigation against bitcoin.com but usually uh and that's a very complex matter we 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 choose to get to to do without legal protection because we are fucking up nation states so in this context we cannot rely over the, great, the, the the big brother taking care of the stupids and uh, the, 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 the SEC and and all this stuff. So the, the reason we should build a, a, an ecosystem and a culture which is very, very intolerant to scams is not because we are angry old men yelling at scams, but because uh, it's very unlikely that we can maintain Bitcoin uh, protected in the long run without trademarks, without SEC, without any kind of protection, if we do not... It's not that we need extreme protection. We just need a protection, which is the natural level of protection that would occur in a free market. I think that in the status situation we are living in, uh, the level of protection of people, of the level of uh, do your research, the level of... Uh, um, of uh, Memory of past scams is very very low because people is used to bailouts, is used to uh, too big to fail, is used to uh, the government will come and protect you, uh, the, the nanny state. So people is so used to be taken care of by higher powers that they forgot how to naturally be aware of of scammers. Like our grandparents will just tell the children, "Do not accept candies from." Uh, this strange man in the park. Uh, we are living in a world where uh, the, the, the children is, are never free in the park, so they forgot about the wisdom about the candy because they are never alone in the park again. We just we don't have to get to a point where we are too nasty or too cruel. Just a normal level of skepticism and of uh, uh, and of memory. Like, uh, then La-, La Rimer. I mean... He did shares. He, uh, he did Steam, and now is he's is doing EOS. I, I don't ask for you to be super skeptical, but just please remember the past four years is, is, is not like 40 years ago. It's a normal level of skepticism. So uh, to, to, to wrap it, wrap it up, uh, Bcash is not dangerous in itself, but the level of tolerance for scams in this ecosystem can be dangerous on the long run if you if we don't use uh, this occasion to fight against Bcash as a test, as a training, in order to establish a sound uh, social immunitary system for Bitcoin and for Bitcoin-related practices and infrastructures.
0: Awesome. Well, we're coming up on an hour now. I, I can't believe how quickly it flew by. Do you have any uh, last parting words for our audience that you want to put
3: out there? Uh, this is always the, the most difficult question. Uh, uh, run your full node, as you learned in this uh, podcast, and uh, store your private key. I know I say that it's okay for old investors and old speculators to use banks, but uh, people that, which is in Bitcoin should learn to store the private keys and to run a full validating node. Do it. Because if we don't do it, we don't even have the comparison of uh, uh, of what are the trade offs. I mean, uh, it's easy to not be worried about the dimension of the blockchains in Ethereum because nobody in Ethereum is fucking running a full node. So it's very easy there to to just forget about what a blockchain blockchain chain weighs and does. So we should we have have to suffer a little bit. Uh, Maximalism is suffering. Do install your full node and try how much time do you need to synchronize, how, how, how messy it is to check the signatures. Uh, cryptography sucks. Cryptography is not easy. It's not, it's not pretty. It's, it sucks. I, uh, it, it's very difficult. Uh, try to do it, suffer, and, and learn how can we secure this stuff for the next millennium.
2: Every, every initiation ritual into a cult does require some kind of sacrifice and suffering. So consider running a full node and learning about the crypto as the uh, sacrifice to join our cult.
3: Embrace cultism.
0: <laughs> Where can we find you on the internet? Uh,
3: so I'm mostly recently trolling on Twitter. So uh, at Giacomo Zucco. It's G I A C O M O Z U C C O, not Zuko. This is the other guy. Uh, and uh, you, can, you can write me on uh, Giacomo at bhb.network. Uh, I don't really read it a lot. I should do it more. Uh, but you, will, you can meet me at the next conferences that will be, uh, I will be in a building on Bitcoin in uh, Lisbon. Uh, then I will be in uh, BIP-001 in Odessa. Then I will be in September at the new Baltic Oni Badger uh, in, uh, in Riga. Then at the new edition of the uh, Parallel-Nipoli's uh, conference, which is the one in which I gave my, my talk about political uh, attack vectors. And, uh, and, and then I think La Conf in, in, in Chile. And Well, that's all. That's like my, all my calendar for the next year.
2: Fantastic. Well, I hope I get to run into you at one of those. Would be a pleasure.
3: Also, as you can see by my body fat, I'm still very, very bad into carnivorism, Maximalist. <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, I officially I promote it, but when I see pizza, I, I'm still very, very, uh, very, I, I need initiation and, and cultism <laughs> more. In this
2: yes. Well, you know, one one cult at a time. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Giacomo, for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye. Bye.
1: So, so this is why this thing that I've said to people has become this crazy internet meme, but that's to clean up your room and (laughs) (laughs) which, which is a lot better and more useful than people think. It's a lot harder too, but the, the thing, the first thing you do, I think, and I learned this in part from Solzhenitsyn when he was trying to iron out his soul when he was in the gulag, because he was trying to figure out how he got there. Fix the things that announce themselves as in need of repair. Your room. Put it in order. Because the thing is, in most households, there's a hundred things that could be done to just make it less hideous and horrible. And so, practicing that is, it's a real useful form of meditation, and it's also, it's also... I think it's a divine act because you're taking chaos and you know if you pay attention even to a room it's so interesting and I learned because I've renovated many places now and tried to make them beautiful and one of the things that I've really learned is that you can do something as simple as just sit on your bed and think okay get yourself a good bed that you like like set the bloody place up so that when you walk in there you think Jesus a civilized human being could really live in here and then every time you walk in there Your room will remind you that the proper way to behave in there is to behave as a civilized being, you know, not as a two-bit do-gooder who's trying to look good in front of the world, but as someone who's tough and, and reliable and all of that. And that's what your room should tell you. So set the damn thing up until that's what it screams at you when you walk in there.